You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Next week, we are going to be starting a brand new series that we are calling Loud and Clear. Loud and Clear. Uh, this is actually, this series is actually answering the number one question that you guys asked uh, in a survey from last Easter. And the question was, how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear God's voice? And I know personally in my life, I've experienced that question before. I've had that thought of like, man, like how can I make sure I'm hearing God's voice? How do I know if this is God's voice? And I truly believe that this series next, the starting next week is going to be so helpful, so impactful for you. So here's your invitation to church next week. You don't have to wait from anyone else. You're getting it from me. Come back next week. Join us for the series loud and clear. I truly think it's going to be great. But today we, we're going to look at some passages and um, I think it's going to be helpful for us um, because I think it's going to help set us up for this upcoming series. Uh, in fact, you can kind of look at today as, as a prequel for next week. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, starting in verse 5. Verse 5 says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jumping down to verse 16, it says this, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, take a shower, my goodness. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I'm not sure uh, what this looks like in your Bible, but in my Bible, all the scripture we just read is in red ink. And what that tells me is that this is something that Jesus himself was actually saying. Jesus said this himself. And these specific passage, it comes from um, possibly the greatest sermon of all time. Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon is actually, you know, it, it spans like three different chapters in Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Aren't you glad we aren't trying to cover all that today? We would be here for a long time. But I encourage you, if you have some time, go read these three chapters. There are a lot of great principles uh, in that text. And from today's scripture along, I see two. I see two good principles that I think uh, are going to be helpful for us, and they're this. The principles I see are prayer and fasting, and that's what I've titled today's message, simply prayer and fasting. Now, here's why I immediately notice while we were reading these verses. Verses 5, 6, and 7, they all begin with when you pray, when you pray. And then verses 16 and 17 begin with when you fast. Notice that Jesus, he doesn't say if you do, 
but rather he says, when you do. In other words, Jesus, he's making this indication that both prayer and fasting should be normal rhythms of our lives as believers. That these are things that we should consistently do. They should be rhythmic in our lives, both prayer and fasting. And that's why as a church, we start every year with what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is the time where we gather together as a church for 21 straight days. That's why we call it 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we gather together and we pray and we fast and we seek God. And the big goal is to try to get as close to God as we possibly can. And we're going to start this actually next Sunday, January 9th. It'll go all the way through Saturday, January 29th. Uh, I know they're going to put a slide up on the screen with all the information. Feel free to take your phone out, snap a picture of that, because I want to make sure you have the information. Uh, because it'll be every day. Uh, Monday through Friday, we'll meet at 6.30 in the morning. That is, yes, 6.30 a.m. I know. That is very early. You're probably wondering, is Jesus awake? Yes, he is. And so is Starbucks. Get you some coffee if you need to. But meet us. We will be meeting from 6.30 to 7.30. The reason we do is so that way you can pray and still go to work or go to school. And we will make a promise to you. I will look you in the eyes and say, we promise to have you out on time. So that way you can get to work on time and you can get to school on time. So Monday through Friday, we'll meet from 6.30 to 7.30. And then Saturdays, we'll meet at our normal time from 9 to 10 p.m. All that will take place at a place that we call the warehouse, uh, 1455 Dalton Avenue. I think that's up on the screen as well. We'll meet there. It's downtown. Great, lake, great location. We'll make sure you know where to park, where you can come in, all those good things. We'll make sure you're not lost if it's your first time coming. Uh, but I want to invite you to 21 days of prayer uh, and fasting because it's such a big season for us. It's such a big season for us. Uh, and here's why we do it at the beginning of the year as a church. Uh, because we don't just randomly pick when we're going to have it. Uh, we picked January for a, a very specific reason, and it's because it's the, the beginning of the year, because we believe that priorities matter. We believe that priorities, that they make a difference in our lives. And we want God to be the number one priority in our lives. So that's why we decided to do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, as a way to where we can tangibly say, God, we are dedicating this year of our life to you. We're dedicating this year. Why? Because we know priorities impact our lives that make a difference. We want you to be first in our life. Now, if Jesus indicates that both of these things should be a normal rhythm of our lives, and if we set aside specific time each year as a church to do this, then I think it's important that today that we make sure we understand what exactly prayer and fasting is, why they're important, and how we can do it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's look at prayer. What is prayer? Now, I think to, to help define this, it would be most helpful to, to maybe start like, well, what is prayer not? And the first thing that I'll say is prayer is not a formal presentation. Like you don't have to dress up in your Sunday best. Like you don't have to put on a suit and tie. It doesn't just have to happen on Sunday. Can all those things happen? Absolutely. But it's not the only time prayer can happen. It's not supposed to be a formal presentation. It's not giving God your wish list. Uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, God, here's my list. Please give it to me. Uh, it's not a spiritual negotiation, right? It's not this time where you say, God, if you'll grant this, if you'll give me this, then I will do this. Or I'll stop doing that, right? It's not that. It's not a performance to try to win God's favor. Church, you do not have to win God's favor. He's already given it to you. 
It's not a performance to try to win us favor, and it is not meant to try to impress others either. Prayer, at a simplest definition, prayer is talking with God. It's having a conversation with God. It's having a conversation with him. So why is that important? Why is that important? Well, if prayer by definition is talking with God, then it's important because it connects us to him. So if prayer is talking with him, it's important because it connects us to him. You see, intimacy is never accidental. It's never accidental. We never accidentally have close relationships that we never intentionally develop. Every healthy relationship, in every healthy relationship, intimacy and closeness, it must be developed. It has to be pursued. So prayer is important because it connects us to God. Now, not only does it connect us to him, it also aligns us with his will and not the other way around. Now, if I'm being quite honest, uh, growing up, there were definitely times where I viewed and, like, treated prayer as if God were, like, my, my personal, like, genie in a bottle, you know? Like I, like, I go to him, I give him my wish, and he's supposed to grant the request, you know? Um, and let me just be quite frank and honest with you. If we do that, or when we do that, it makes two really big assumptions. And the first is this. The first is that it makes the assumption that what I want, that I think that what I want is better than what God knows I need. And the second assumption it makes is that my will is greater than his will. And uh, the Bible actually addresses both of those. And uh, so the first one is we can see in Isaiah 55 verse 8. This is the first assumption that it addresses. It says, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. In other words, whenever I think that I know what's best for my life, not only does God know what's better, it's far beyond anything I could imagine. Now, I don't know if, if that's good news to you, but there are so many prayers looking back on it where I'm like, I thought I knew what was best. Thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. You know, uh, thank you, God. So that's the first assumption. The second assumption is this. Uh, and we actually see it addressed in the text that we read earlier in Matthew 6. Uh, in this, this text, this chapter, the disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. That's what we read through. And that's why Jesus started out when you pray. And in verse 10, Jesus, he actually addresses the second assumption that our will is greater than God's will. Verse 10, he says, he, he's teaching them how to pray. And he says, you should pray like this. You should pray to God and say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now here's something that I love about Jesus. Jesus always practiced what he preached, like always. And uh, we can actually see that he even practices this uh, later on in scripture in Matthew 26. When Jesus is in his darkest hour and he's going to the cross uh, to, uh, to die for both my sins and your sins, Jesus prays this prayer in Matthew 26. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done not mine. And I'm so thankful that Jesus prayed that prayer because because of that prayer, my sins and your sins are forgiven. Uh, so prayer is important because it connects us with God and it aligns our will with his will. So then how can we pray? If it's so important and we should do it, it's talking to God, then how can we pray Nat? And I would say that we can pray by two different ways. The first is by prioritizing prayer, by prioritizing it. And here's the reason why. Because anything that isn't a priority eventually becomes optional. 
So how do we prioritize? Well, we do it first. We pray first. We don't wait till everything is a mess in our life, until we're dealing with this dumpster fire, and then we're like, hey, God, uh, I, I need you to put out a fire for me, please. It's, it's getting more than I can handle. That's not when we pray. No, we actually pray first. We, we say it like this, that prayer is our first response and not our last resort. And we see the principle of first all throughout the Bible. And one place is in the same chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, some verses down in verse 33, it says this. It says, but seek first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, God cares about priority. He cares about first. He doesn't want to just be thrown into your life. He wants to be first in your life. He doesn't want to just make the list somewhere. He wants to be numero uno on the list. He wants to be first in your life. Think about this. Think about the things that we do first. We go to church the first day of the week. We tithe the first 10%. We have 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of every year, the first of the year. In fact, that's the first thing that we did together as a church. Like God cares about being first. He cares about priorities. And before we do anything, we should pray. We should pray first. And honestly, you can implement prayer into every area of your life. Like you can pray first in every area of your life. You could pray with your family before you leave for the day. You could pray before you have that job interview. You could, you could pray before you respond to the text or the email. You could pray before you uh, respond on social media. You know, you could pray before you go on that date. Hello, Lord Jesus, please let her laugh at my jokes. I've been married almost three years and I still pray that prayer. Prioritizing prayer, it just means that we make the decision to invite God into every area of our lives first. First. So that's the first way we can pray is by prioritizing it. The second way that we can pray is without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. If you want to learn a, a verse of the Bible today, this is a good one. It's three words, never stop praying. And if I'm being completely honest, when I used to read this uh, verse uh, as a kid, Reading this verse made me want to never start praying. Because <laughs> I was like, wait a second, you mean I have to always pray? Like never stop praying? Like, wait, consistently always never stop praying? You know, it's like, no, thank you. I, th I think I'll just, you know, keep doing. This, this verse doesn't mean that we can only ever pray. Like all of our time in, in life is only taken up with prayer. It means that we live a lifestyle of prayer. Meaning that the line of communications between you and God should always be open. They should always be open. So we can pray by prioritizing it and without ceasing. So what about fasting? What is, what is fasting? And just like we did with prayer, I think it would be helpful to start with a list of like what fasting is not. And the first is this. Fasting is not a diet. Like we don't fast to try to fit in our skinny jeans. You know what I'm saying? Like fasting is not a diet. It's also not spiritual punishment. Like God does not ask us to fast in the Bible to punish us it is not meant as a form of spiritual punishment. And it's also not a formula where if we do it just right, we can earn something from God. That's not what fasting is either. By definition, fasting is the voluntarily reducing or eliminating certain things in our lives for a specific amount of time and purpose. 
Fasting is voluntarily reducing or eliminating certain things from our life for a specific amount of time and purpose. Time and purpose. Now, like why? Like why is fasting so important? Like why do we do that? Like Nat, you want me to talk to God for like 21 days in a row? Cool. Got that. I can do that. You want me to stop eating carbs for 21 days in a row? Like now we got to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, like why in the world do we even combine the two in the first place? And because uh, you see, while, while prayer is so important because it connects us to God, the reason we combine with fasting is because fasting helps disconnect us from the world. So prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting allows us to, to remove things, to remove distractions from our lives. It helps us to turn down the volume of the world so that we can hear God loud and clear. Loud and clear. And uh, I have a couple people who are going to help me with an illustration. Because uh, to, to, to understand why theologically fasting is so important. Um, now, as, as people, you can tell that all of us are, are very unique, right? Like my personality is different from your personality. And your giftings are probably different from his giftings, right? But foundationally, as people, we are all created uh, with three dis- distinct parts. And that is a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, the body is, uh, is our physical body. In the Bible, you'll oftentimes see this referred to as the flesh. It's the flesh. It's our physical body. Our soul is actually made up of three parts in itself. And that is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Uh, our mind, which allows us to think and to reason. Our will, which is what we make decisions and choices out of. And then our emotions, which helps us to believe, to feel, to remember. And then the third part is our spirit. Now, our spirit, like whenever we give our life to Jesus and become a believer and follower of him, our spirit is what is immediately redeemed with him. It is what is immediately set right with God. Now, here's why theologically this is important to understand. Because if we don't get this right here, then what could be easy to to think and to feel like is like, so fasting is just a bunch of like do's. Like I'm supposed to just kind of try as hard as I can to, to take out things in my life as much as I can. And it's, it feels like, oh, I have to earn something, earn something, earn something type thing. But that's not, what, that's not the importance of fasting. It's not why we do it. Because the truth is, is that there's always a constant tug of war. Look at me, Dan, if you will. Between the body, look at Dan, and the spirit. For all of us. There is always a constant tug of war between our body and our spirit. And what I would say is that th- as the year goes along, our most natural tendency, our most natural lean is for the body to always win. It's for the body to win. Now, you may be wondering, well, what about the soul? If there's a constant tug of war between the body and the soul, or the body and the spirit, what about the soul? The soul actually lines up with whichever one is winning. So, If our body is winning, the soul lines up with it. If our spirit is winning, the soul lines up with it. And here's how you know which one's winning. The one that you feed the most. Let me say it like this. The one whose desires you give into the most. So like, you know, like I said, 21 days of prayer and fasting, we do this. We attach the fasting to try to set our year up right to disconnect the the soul from the body. So that way we can say yes to the spirit more and no to the body more. Right, But what can happen, our natural tendency is that as the year goes on, it can be easier and easier to say yes to the desires of the body and not yes to the desires of the soul. But here's what I want you to get. It's kind of like a compounding effect. 
the more you say yes to one of them, the easier it is to say yes to that. So that's, that's theologically what's going on with this. This is theologically why we fast. And just like with everything else in life, there are consequences for whichever we choose. Whether we say yes to choosing to that of the body or say yes to choosing the desires of the spirit. And the Bible actually portrays this in such a, a beautiful way, I think, in Romans chapter 8. It says, for to set the mind on the flesh. So remember, the mind is part of our soul. So to set the mind on the flesh, again, flesh means body. So to link our soul to our body, Paul, the apostle, he says, that's death. It's death. But to set the mind, again, part of our soul, on the spirit, Paul says, is life and peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want the death. I want the life and the peace. You see, fasting is so important because it helps us disconnect from the world. So it helps us to starve the body and feed the spirit. Helps us to disconnect from the world, turn down the volume of the world, and get closer to God. Thank you guys so much. So, how can we fast then? If fasting is so important, then that, how can we fast? Uh, there are actually quite a few different ways to fast, and they're going to put they're going to put them up on the screen. Uh, and the first way that you can fast is um, is is called a complete fast, and this is a it's a liquid only fast. It's where you only consume water and juices, water and juices for the full 21 days. Another type of fast is called a selective fast. This type of fast is where you remove certain things from your normal diet. Uh, one common example of a selective fast is called the Daniel fast. Uh, it's, it's, in this fast, it's where you take out like meats and sweets and you only drink water and juices and you only like eat vegetables and, and, and fruits. Uh, so that's a selective fast. You're only selecting certain things from your diet to eat for these days of fasting. Another type of fast is called a partial fast. And this could look like fasting from sunup to sundown, uh, or, or maybe it's just fasting and you only eat one meal a day. Maybe you fast all day and you only eat when the sun's down, like at dinner time. It's a partial fast. You're only, you're only eating part of the day, partial fast. Now, those first three deal with like food. They're food fast. This last one is called a soul fast. Again, remember, our mind, will, and emotions, those three parts that make up our soul, like a soul fast is, is aimed at that. So that could be things like, you know, not watching TV, uh, not, not participating in media or social media. Uh, it could be things like, you know, video games. Honestly, it's, it's like time wasters, right? Like, et cetera. So, like, this is, what I, this is how I'd say it. Anything that, like, if you stopped doing for a little while, that it would be like, like a breath of fresh air to your soul, like that might be a good thing to fast for 21 days. And so these four different types of fasts, you can actually find them on our website at queencitypeople.com slash fasting. So uh, you may be wondering, like, well, which, which one of those do I do? Like, which one of those fasts do I do? So I'll tell you, okay? Uh, the one you should do is the one that God tells you to do. So you should spend some time this upcoming week before 21 days of prayer starts next, next Sunday and spending some time in prayer and saying, hey, God, what are you calling me to do? Like, like, which fast are you calling me to do? Which one should I participate in? And then when you feel like you have a direction, here's my encouragement to you. Make a plan. Make a plan to do it. Make a plan of how you're going to do it. Because come day four or five, you're going to be like, man, this, this is not fun. This is not fun at all. This, this is probably not going anything like I thought it would. Uh, and if you don't have a plan, it's going to be really easy to abandon what you've already set your goal on and your mind on. So 
whatever you feel like God's saying, like make a plan and, and, and do that. Now, this is what I believe with all my heart, uh, is that as you pray and as you get close to God, and as you fast and disconnect from the world, so these two components of 21 days, as you do both of these, what I believe with all my heart is that you will experience life change. I believe you'll experience life-changing moments, moments where you feel so more connected to God than maybe you ever have before. Uh, moments where it's like, oh my God, the, the confusion, the loudness, the distractions of the world don't seem quite as loud now. Uh, I believe you'll experience life-changing moments with him. And, uh, and what I know is that like, I myself have and that others here in our church have as well. And uh, instead of sharing a, a story of how I've experienced uh, life change during 21 days of prayer, I thought I would share some stories of people who may be sitting among you. Their stories of how they've experienced God impact their lives in life-changing moments during 21 days of prayer. And so here's the first story. First person said that every January I pray and fast about all the big stuff. You know, like job, living situation, relationships. And based on how God answers and unfolds things, then I obey. I obey. The person said that I've moved and gotten new jobs and changed relationships. And every time it's been hard, challenging. But get this, it's also been peaceful. Every time it's been hard and peaceful. And every time I can confidently say I wasn't running away from something, but I was running towards something. I wouldn't know what to do without that direction from God at the beginning of every year. Another story was someone who shared that uh, they were in a season of life where they knew that God was calling both him and his wife to move to, to this city, actually, to Cincinnati. They knew they had conviction to go, but weren't sure how it was going to happen. Uh, they weren't sure how it was all going to work out because uh, the car that they had was on its last leg and the extra funds they had saved up was enough to, to put down on an apartment and get them started here. They weren't even sure if the car would make the drive to Cincinnati. Uh, so before the move, while attending 21 days of prayer and fasting at a different church, he began to pray and ask God to provide for their needs during this move. And he said he wasn't praying for anything specific, just that God would provide for their needs. And at the end of 21 days of prayer, he got a call from a pastor of that church saying that he had heard that God called them to move to Cincinnati. He had also uh, heard about his vehicle situation. And he went on to tell them that the legacy team at this church wanted to give them a new vehicle with no strings attached. He said that was just one of the many times God came through and he still does. He also said, I truly believe we don't just pray to get things, but we pray to God because he knows what we need and he's a good father. And lastly, this last story, this person shared and said, in terms of prayer and fasting, last year was my first time and it was intimidating at first because it was something way out of my comfort zone. And maybe some of you are here today and you're like, yeah, that's, I relate with that. Prayer and fasting is out of my comfort zone. It seems intimidating. But listen to what this guy said. He said, one thing Pastor Brian taught us is to leave all worries with God. And last year during this time, my stepdad was getting out of the hospital due to COVID and pneumonia. And my mom broke out with full body rashes. This was something totally unexpected. With 21 days of prayer and fasting, it allowed me to leave all worries with God and focus on him day after day. Not only did it allow me to focus on God, but it also allowed me to count my blessings. Over the course, my stepdad was able to fully recover and my mom's body was healed. It was a tough time, 
but knowing God's plan and being able to reflect on that was what I needed. Man, I love that. Three different stories, three different ways God moved in their lives. First one, the person needs, needed wisdom and God gave. The second one, person needed provision and God gave. And the last one, God, the person needed, wanted to see healing and, and God answered. And here's the cool thing, like that's not even the main focus of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Our main focus for this season, for this time is to get as close to God as you possibly can. And then anything else you experience is just extra. Yes, it's okay to pray for those things during this time, but our goal, our focus, our purpose for 21 days of prayer and fasting is to get as close to God as we possibly can. So church, my challenge to you is to go all in. Go all in. Go all in with praying, with fasting. Be intentional in connecting with God as much as you can and disconnecting from the world as much as you can. Because if you do, I believe with all my heart that you will experience life change. I believe you'll experience God in a brand new, fresh way. A fresh, new way. I'm gonna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to to ask I want you to ask something. Just right here where you're at, why don't you ask God, say, God, what are you speaking to me right now? What are you speaking to me right now? What does my response need to be to this message? Because we always want our Sundays to affect our Mondays. So God, what are you saying to us right now? Maybe your response is to, is to join us for prayer every morning. Maybe your response is to participate in a fast this year. Maybe your response is to go all in. Maybe it's both, to to participate both prayer and fasting for 21 days of prayer, to connect with God. Maybe you feel far from him. Maybe you feel far from him. And you're like, today I know that I need to start a relationship with him. I think back on that verse that Pastor Brian shared at the beginning of Revelations 3.20. It said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open up, I'll come in. And I want to let you know that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for, for your sins so that you could have the privilege of having a relationship with you. And we want to give you that opportunity today to make the best decision of your life, the decision to start or restart a relationship with God. And we aren't going to point you out or make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. Now, today, if you want to make the decision to follow Jesus, to surrender your whole life to God, to have a relationship with him. What I wanna invite you to do is on the count of three, raise your hand without hesitation so I know who to include in this prayer. One, two, three. I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. So proud of you. Put your hands down. Why don't you just pray, pray this in your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry I lived my life without you. Would you come live inside me? Change me. Make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you. I choose to receive your grace and follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, will you put your hands together and celebrate? Some people just made the best decision of their life. We are so proud of you. So proud of you. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.